Grace, mercy, and peace of Christ Jesus rest upon each and every one of you this day. Amen. If I said to you that somebody was in the process of dying, what sort of images would flood your mind? More than likely, the image of an elderly person in the last week stages of life would come to the forefront. There is an outside chance that you might picture a younger person you know who is battling a life-threatening disease. But even in this case, you would be picturing someone who has fought the good fight and is now nearing the finish line of life. As I said, though, more than likely, you're going to picture someone on the elderly side of the age spectrum. Why is this? Death does not play favorites. It is not biased towards gender, race, social status, or age. Death is equal opportunity. So fixed is our mindset and understanding of the dying process that we would never think to use this term in reference to the birth of a child. Why not? Well, think about it. The very second life is conceived, it is ever marching forward, second by second, day by day, year by year, towards death. You cannot turn back the clock. The very moment life is conceived, the clock starts ticking. The dying process begins. Thankfully, for most people, the dying process is a very long and mostly painless, perhaps even pleasant process that takes decades to fulfill. But make no mistake, all of us are in the process of dying. And that process begins the very moment our lives began. Now, why bring this up? Out of all the topics we could talk about to start off this new year, I'm sure that death and the dying process was probably not going to be at the top of most people's list. Boy, Pastor, you really know how to set the new year. Set the mood. Happy New Year indeed. I do not start off this sermon this way because I want to kill any joy or hope that you may have for this new year. That is not my intention at all. I simply want to make a point. So let us begin again, shall we? Only this time I will begin by asking what sort of images come to mind when you hear the opening words of the beloved hymn, Chief of Sinners Though I Be. Chief of Sinners Though I Be, Jesus Shed His Blood For Me. How many of you hear these words and think of anything other than Good Friday and the crucifixion. Why not? Jesus did shed his blood more than once, and every time he did it was for us and for our salvation. Working backwards, we find that Christ shed his blood when the spear pierced his side. He shed his blood when the nails pierced his feet. He shed his blood when the nails pierced his hands. He shed his blood when the soldiers beat him mercilessly causing great bruising and internal bleeding. He shed his blood when they crowned him with a crown of thorns. He shed his blood when the soldiers flogged him, ripping the flesh from his body with their terrible instruments of torture. He shed his blood as he prayerfully agonized over the impending passion sacrifice he had to make, sweating drops of blood in his anguish. If you are keeping track so far, the number stands at seven. Seven different sheddings of blood. 
And so that is what brings us to today. The eighth time in our count, but the first time in his life, that Jesus shed his blood for us. The circumcision of the Christ child, which took place on the eighth day of his life, which traditionally falls today on the calendar. There are no such things as coincidence, especially when it comes to God's grace and our salvation. Eight is the theological number of new creation and new birth. God created the first fallen and sinful world in six days, and he rested on the seventh. Jesus came and lived for mankind in this fallen and sinful world and was put to death on the sixth day. He rested in the tomb on the seventh. It was on the first day of the week, the eighth day, that Christ rose from the dead, bringing new life to the fallen children of Adam. It was on the eighth day that God assured us that all the powers of sin, death, and the devil were crushed. As St. Paul says in his letter to the Corinthians, Where, O death, is your victory? Where is your sting? Think about this for a moment. Jesus shed his blood eight different times for us in his life. That is no coincidence. That is the fullness of God's love for us, fulfilled and completed perfectly in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ Jesus. So how does the circumcision of Jesus factor exactly into this plan? We can certainly understand how the other seven occurrences of bloodshed are part of the plan. But how does circumcision fit in? Remember, Jesus came to do for us what we can never do. That does not just mean dying for our sins and rising from the dead. That also includes living the perfect life, perfectly fulfilling all of our Heavenly Father's commands and laws. According to Leviticus 12.3, God makes it very clear that all male children shall be circumcised on the eighth day of life. Circumcision being the way that God brought his people into his covenant relationship with him and his life and mercy and salvation. So how does Christ's circumcision differ from any other young man's circumcision? What makes this shedding of blood any different from anyone else's? There is a huge difference. Jesus Christ, unlike us and our New Year's resolutions, never stopped fulfilling God's law. It has been said that the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Well, here is the first step in the eternal, perfect fulfillment of God's law. The first instance of blood being shed for our sake. Already here on the eighth day is the name of Jesus beginning to fill fill its meaning. Jesus, he will save his people from their sins. And this is what is celebrated today. You celebrate your new beginning, your new creation in Christ, which is yours only because of Christ alone, and all he has done for you in your place. This is celebrated through your baptisms. Through your baptism, you have been brought into God's covenant of peace and forgiveness and everlasting life. What does baptism have to do with Christ and his circumcision? Well, everything. St. Paul tells us in Colossians, In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hand by putting off the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, 
in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Did you catch all that? In holy baptism, God is the one doing the work. Contrary to popular belief, baptism is not what we do for God, but what he does for you. In baptism, God himself circumcises away the deadly flesh of sin you inherited from Adam. In baptism, God himself puts his holy name upon you, the triune name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In baptism, God himself buries you and your sins with Christ. This is what St. Paul reiterates in Romans. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Through baptism, through faith alone in God's grace alone, this is your eternal eighth day reality. This is your eternal new beginning. By God's grace, because of Christ Jesus, you are a new and a redeemed creation. You are a child that Jesus willingly shed his blood for eight different times so that your life and your salvation could be fulfilled and assured. What better way to start off the new year? The shedding of his blood in his circumcision foreshadows the cross as the final place of salvation. It shows how Jesus saves by blood, by suffering, and by death. In Jesus' crucifixion, your sin and death were removed and cut off so that you might have true circumcision of the heart. In place of the old covenant of circumcision, Jesus gives a new covenant and promise. He takes bread and by his promise, it is also his body. He takes the cup and by his promise, it is also his body blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. At this altar, you receive Jesus, the entire Jesus, the true body and blood of the one who is your life and your salvation. You are heirs of forgiveness, life, and salvation through the blood of Jesus. In this sinful world, every new year begins with bloodshed in many places, and that is an evil tragedy. But in the church, there can be no better beginning than the shed blood of our Savior, whose name is Jesus. God saves. And so begin this new year and live your lives with the blood of Jesus on your tongues and with the name of Jesus on your foreheads and your hearts. For the one who shed his blood on the eighth day after his birth, and rose again from the dead on the third day, now gives you forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation, so that you may live with him and enjoy his presence forever. Amen. Now may the peace that surpasses all human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting.